Bills 14, Giants 9. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bob. Just going to hear my co-host, Justin Pennick. Giants fall to 1-5. And, and after all week not really anticipating this game, it was 15 minutes before kickoff. And damn it, I was freaking excited and invested. And the game did that to you too. And then the Giants have a chance to win the game. Last play of the game. Untimed down one yard line. Aren't able to get it done. Um, this feels frustrating because losing's frustrating no matter what. But more so as someone who doesn't talk about tanking unless it's the last three or four games of the season. It would have felt really good to go into the weakest part of the schedule at 2-4 and four beating a Super Bowl favorite in the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, this is this is tough, man. Tough. Uh, you know, another game where you know Giants fans are staying up late, putting their hearts on the line. National television Sunday night, and you know it doesn't come out. You know they they were thirty six inches away from winning this game twice. Um, th- that that's probably the toughest pill to swallow. Where it's not just once, where you're staring at a touchdown, which the Giants haven't scored an offensive touchdown in, in 13 quarters. Um, they were 36 inches away from winning this game twice. There, there's still, I mean, I'll start off with this too. There's still a lot of positives. Uh, more on the defensive side, obviously, which I do feel good about. But 72 inches is what this game came down to. 0 for 5 in the red zone and 0 for 3 in goal-to-go situations. Giants offense hasn't has scored one touchdown since week two. They haven't scored an offensive touchdown in the last 13 quarters. Bobby, I'm basically numb until the Giants score an offensive touchdown. Um, until then, very little matters to me, even with, like you said, a weaker part of the schedule coming up. Like, score an offensive touchdown, man. Yeah, last offensive touchdown was that Matt Breida run versus the 49ers on that, on that crunch play. Um, and the, the Giants lost the game where they held the Bills to zero points through three quarters. Um, you <laughs> know, and I was... I was frustrated, like we talked last week on the Xavier McKinney quote about like what we're not going to do is blame the defense. And I was especially frustrated after the Dolphins had 300 yards passing and 200 yards rushing. But the, that did let you know that there was already some frustration seeping with from the defensive side of the football with the Giants offense because the offense was so bad, right? Well, in as bad as their offense is, their points per game total went down after this game and you held Josh Allen to 14 points, zero points through three quarters and you lost. And that's going to grow, man. And it's on Dable to get this ship back on the, on, 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 on track because there's, there will be issues if you lose to the commanders, right? You know, a yeah. team that, as right now is better than the Giants, but very beatable. Like man, it, it, it the locker room can fracture quickly. So we'll, we'll get into all of it. The X's knows what exactly happened. Um, Justin, but it starts with this. There's gonna be, be in a game like this. There's gonna be moments you want back, but there's gonna be none more than the end of the first half. With 14 seconds left, you run the ball and your first reaction is like, what the hell, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, what the hell are we running the ball down here with no timeouts on first and goal, 14 seconds left. And then you see Dable losing his mind on Tyrod Taylor um, as they walk into the halftime. Dable said afterwards, because he was asked, like, was that com- was it communicated to Tyrod Taylor to not uh, run the ball? He said, yeah, it was communicated to him. Um Tyrod Taylor said he thought he would have time to spike the ball afterwards. I mean, it's just 
that's an inexplicable mistake. Um, and again, I want to talk about Tyra Taylor because I thought Tyra De- Taylor outside that did a, a pretty damn good job, uh, considering the circumstances. Um, even though they only had nine points, I, I didn't think he got much outside, much help outside of Wandale and Darius Slate and the run game was abysmal. Um, that's one that's going to come back to bite you because you had, you, you essentially had three shots from the one yard line and you only got one and you ran the ball in, uh, to the side of Darren Waller and Lawrence Cager blocking. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I want to, before we start, I guess, you know, talking about Tyrod, I, I want to back up that situation a little bit more with the end of the first half. There's an eight yard run on first down with about one minute and 10 seconds left. The second down play goes nowhere. So now it's third down. There was, I believe a, was there? No, there wasn't a stoppage. So there was not a stoppage after that first down run. And then another 30 seconds, 40 seconds comes off the clock and you gain zero yards. So now Brian Dable calls the second timeout of the half with 20 seconds, 27 seconds left at the 11-yard line, and it's third down. Bobby, I, I don't think 27 seconds is enough time for the Giants to get 11 yards, especially when they were not even in a goal-to-go situation. They was a third and one, so you have to think, okay, this Giants offense is not like a normal offense. They need to worry about getting that one yard, and then they're going to need three more plays in that goal-to-go situation where odds are they're not going to be inside the five-yard line after that third and one since it was on the 11-yard line. They need three plays to get a touchdown, right? And that's exactly what happened. They ran that third and one play, and then they needed three more plays to even get down to the one-yard line, and the clock even stopped on a penalty where Darius Slayton got held in the back. I was not thrilled. Number one, it, it, it does come down to Tyrod Taylor. You cannot run the ball in that situation. But I also was not thrilled that basically 40 seconds came off the clock when Brian Dable still had a timeout in his pocket and no yards were gained. So I was not thrilled with the timeout mismanagement, the clock mismanagement at the end of the first half. Because I think that's why the Giants were rushing to end the first half to begin with. What do you think? Well, you- there's 30 seconds between plays and then the which again it, sometimes it takes a little longer to line up and stuff but the thing with me is there was at 30 seconds they the whatever whatever the end of the play was and David calls a timeout but he waited 10 seconds so the clock right. went from 30 to 20 10 seconds and then he called a timeout so you lost 10 seconds there which could have allowed you to run the ball spike it and then you could have if you if you don't let that 10 seconds run off you have the same sequence happens. Tyrod has nine seconds left when he spikes the ball. Um, right. But at the end of the day, I mean, you had three shots at the one-yard line. Like, yeah. we can we can talk about that. And you're probably going to throw it there. Any Like, you were going to be out of – you were going to be out of timeouts eventually. Like, that, it just makes no sense for Tyrod to check out of that. Again, and it wasn't like – it would be one thing if they had – 
a five tech and then a nose on the other side right and it's just okay we have to we have to run versus this front no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't some big favorable run front and you also had Lawrence Cager and, and Darren Waller to that side of the formation who are neither one are good blockers um yeah you single back two for Saquon Barkley it's not even like he had Bellinger back there or an additional offensive lineman he was it was it was a single back formation and it was not a running front it was not a front to run on well, and you haven't been running the ball well all game anyways. No. It's just, again, there's only so much you can say about it because everyone has said it, right? Like Dable said. Dable, Dable showed it on the sideline with his anger um, and then said in the post-game press conference and then Taylor said the exact same thing and he said that he thought he would have time to spike it, which is which is kind of wild. Um, but I do put some of it on Dable by letting so much time roll off the clock and save me the, oh, the, he doesn't want to give the ball back to Josh Allen with time left. We know Josh Allen could go down the field in 30 seconds. I don't give a flying fuck about Josh Allen and what and what he can do right now. When Josh, what? Th- this is what replies that I got online about, oh, Brian Dable's trying to manage the clock and not give Josh Allen the ball back with 30 seconds left. No, that left. had nothing to do with it. No, the Giants... Haven't scored they didn't, they an, didn't know they were going to get down to the one-yard line. They haven't the scored an offensive touchdown. They need to score a touchdown. They need to get one. Why? Yeah, that, you, can't, you can't be worried about that. Can't. Well, he wasn't. That, that that didn't come into it at all. That was just mismanagement. And then Taylor doing whatever. Right. Um. And then the last play of the game. I mean, that's holding. You can't, de- you can't deny it that, I mean, Waller can't get his left arm up and it, that's that's it's just frustrating to lose like that now I'm not gonna go and I'm, I'm not gonna cry about that because I you know I did not give a damn when Darnay Holmes held the shit out of right. Curtis Samuel last year last play of the game they typically kind of they also called a penalty to play before so they yeah. typically will let you play, and especially when it's the Buffalo crowd. I think all that stuff does play a little bit of a factor in that. I'd rather not be in that situation. Are you? So there's obviously going to be revisionists like, oh, they should have ran the ball. Um, you, that's wrong. Because if you even look at it on the play action, Saquon's getting tackled, essentially. Like there's someone who busts through and they get in. They could not run on any short yardage situation in this game. Uh, so I, I had no problem with that play call. Personally, I might have liked to spread it out a little more. Yeah, um, you know what? The personnel looked very sim- – I do not think it was the same personnel as the end of the first half. But, man, it, it looks similar. Like, I think Hodgins at the end of the game, he was the left outside wide receiver. He's closer to the tackle at the end of the game. But in the first half, he's still relatively close to the tackle. I believe they were running – 12 or 13 at the end of the half, and I see Slayton out on the field as the outside receiver here. It looks like a similar formation. What I hope, Bobby, I hope the Giants didn't call the same play that they called in the first half, except Tyrod just checked out of it at the end of the first half, except they ran it in the fourth quarter. I hope that's not what happened. Why not? (laughs) Because they already sh- they already gave him the look. They already gave him the, f- the- they already gave him the formation. Uh, I I guess if it's a play that you're confident in, but uh, I I don't know, man. It-, it it didn't work. If it worked, then we're saying how much how they're a bunch well, of geniuses. Well, it kind of did so. work. Like you got the matchup, and the guy just literally was tugging. Teron Ter- Ter- Johnson was just tugging on Waller. The like literally never let go of D- Darren Waller. So I, yeah. I like the play call. It- again, I- I'm I just more philosophy wise, depending on. 
I, I'm just not I'm just not a big fan of the do or die situations of those goal line play actions. I just don't like those. Um, I like those on you know first down when you're not up against the clock or last play of the game. Uh, I like to just give options to your quarterback just in case they do cover it very well. Um, but I mean, it did work. They just got he got tugged on and he wasn't able yeah. to make the play on the ball. Like Darren Waller couldn't get his left hand all the way up. Um, again, I'm not going to cry about refs. Uh, in in that. But that is that is what happened. So let, let's let's transition just to talking about the offense in general and how it operated. Like first game without Daniel Jones since the Jake Fromm uh, season finale in 2021. Uh, I thought Tyrod Taylor did a, a very solid job outside of that um, that end of first half play, which again you can't discount that. And then on the second to last drive where. He threw it deep to Hyatt and and Slayton the last two on the third and fourth down. On the third down throw to Hyatt, they doubled Hyatt and they left Wandale wide open on the little whip route and he just didn't uh, miss him. He just didn't throw it and, and threw the ball deep to double coverage in Hyatt. I thought it felt like they were looking for play uh, pass interference at that point. Yeah. But outside of that, he operated the offense very well, right? Uh, especially on third down. I mean, they were ten for nineteen on third down overall, seven of fifteen in Tyrod's hands, where he was. Uh, his stats were ten of 13, 97 yards, a run for three yards, and a sack. And he had those two big plays on those slot fades to Darius Slayton. Both came on third down. Um, had good third down passes to Juan Dale, who had eight catches for sixty-two yards. Tyrod Taylor came in and showed why he's one of the high, higher paid, better backups, more accomplished backup quarterbacks in the NFL. And maybe we can do some like Daniel Jones comparison, blah, blah, blah. I mean, or we could say that for mailbag. But from this game, like you're you're good with Tyrod Taylor. Now, it kind of lived to what this offense is, right? Like you did have the four deep passes, technically five, but everything else was short and quick game right he yeah. had he had one attempt in the 10 to 20 range the intermediate part of the game which i think is the sign of a healthy offense and that was that jalen hyatt fourth down throw in the last drive of the game um so everything else was within 10 yards quick game quick game and then the and then the deep throws um what about the slayton throw in like the first quarter was that not a 20 plus yard play yeah, I said there were, you had the two deep passes to Darius. You had oh, you had nothing it, between okay. ten, you only had got one it. between ten and twenty. So you had got two it. you had two slurs to Slayton on those third down slot fades, which Slayton's been really a lot really good at the release this year. Now yeah. again, they're they're playing backup corners, but he's been he's been really good this year. Um and he should have a couple more big plays if there's some better thrown balls this season. But both those plays were on third down, get the ball out quick, good stuff from Tyrod. And then again, like he was he was efficient in the quick game. They just could not finish in the red zone. And like the run game was essentially useless outside of one drive. Um and you had some penalties and like they got put behind like, you know, some some negative plays. Like I I hate to say it in a game where they scored 9 points. Um but all things considered, Tyrod did uh did very well as a backup. Like it's the best backup backup QB game in the Daniel Jones era, right? Yeah. Like this is better than any Colt McCoy or obviously Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm. But like this is better than the Colt McCoy Seahawks or Browns game. Yeah, it's it's just unfortunate that zero for five in the red zone, zero for three in goal to go situations. But if you have some sort of semblance of a running game, you know maybe you're, you're able to finish those drives and it 
it's not all it's not all on Tyrod Taylor's shoulders. But uh, the Giants had a negative EPA per play, um, early downs and early rushing, early passing, late rushes. The only situation where they had a positive EPA per play was on late downs throwing on third and fourth down with the .3 EPA per play, which is really good. And, you know, you, you see it in the third down conversions where the Giants, I think they were 52%, you said 10 for 19 on third down. You saw it, and a lot of the positive plays that the Giants had on offense did come on third down. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, plus six CPOE according to Next Gen. That's the fourth highest of the weekend out of all quarterbacks so far. And according to Ben Baldwin's model, Tyrod Taylor's CPOE completion percentage over expected was plus 9.4 in the 84th percentile. EPA per play was in the 40th percentile, obviously, when you're not scoring any points. Um, so that wasn't great. You know, the overall efficiency wasn't great. But Bobby, I guess... The most I put concerning in quotes because it's like Daniel Jones is the starter. He's not going anywhere. But I guess the most concerning thing to come out of this game for me in terms of Daniel Jones versus Tyrod Taylor is that there wasn't such a clear drop off when Taylor did come in. Um, He made more of an attempt to let his receivers make a play down the field, which Jones hasn't made a concerted effort to do so far outside of the second half against the Cardinals. I do think there is an element of you don't know how the coaches are going to call the offense when a new QB come when a new QB comes in. So I think Tyrod Taylor had that on his side for this week, um, but there wasn't a clear drop off of here's Daniel Jones's play with this offense, and then Tyrod Taylor's play is down here. There wasn't a clear drop off. Well, he essentially had the same game that DJ had versus the Dolphins, right? Like like it was the exact same thing except for Slayton comes down with two catches and. Waller didn't in the Dolphins game like again there was nothing done between the 10 and 20 range and then all the quick game and it was overall good decision making like there's 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 besides that one third down where he throws the ball deep to Hyatt there wasn't um bad decision making at all and again it's the same game as Miami now it's a lot better than what we saw DJ versus Seattle um before the that game got out of hand so yeah we could talk about all that but yeah I agree like that is if you're Daniel Jones, like that's that is that is an it's a negative on Daniel yeah. Jones. Like, hey, it, this did not like th- to me. Obviously, Daniel Jones to me is a better quarterback than Tyrod Taylor. Right. right. But for the pay differential, it should yes. look a lot different. In 2021, um, there was a clear drop off. In 2021, was bad, but in 2021, there was an obvious clear drop off from. Daniel Jones with Jason Garrett and Freddie, even the one game of Freddie Kitchens to Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm, a clear, clear drop off, and that did not exist in this game against. It was a beat. It was a beat up, banged up defense against the Bills, but you know, still, I think it's a it's a good defense with talented players, and it's a, and it's a well coached defense too. Yeah, I mean, and again, Tyrod's a good backup too. Yeah, um, better. I, I think better than Glennon and definitely Jake Fromm. But like, and there was like that throw to Hyatt that got called back because of the Neil illegal man downfield, which I don't agree with. So that call. soft, man. So soft. Like that is. I rewatched so it. That's the one thing I would say. That's the one thing where you, if you want to compare, you can go for because it's like DJ's not throwing that ball. DJ, he's just not throwing that football. And if if uh if pretty. Neil isn't downfield or they don't call that that's a 40 that's a play where hey this guy got you 41 yards the other guy doesn't get you 41 yards um Saquon was back I thought the run game was useless outside of that one drive 
Like they on that one drive, the backs had six carries for sixty-eight yards on, on, and led to a field goal. So good job. The other drives, Justin, they had twenty-three carries for forty yards, less than two yards a pop. The Bills had nine tackles for a loss on defense, nine, and that that's not sacks. Sacks that aren't included in tackles for a loss. Those are only run plays. Bills had nine. Um, very bad job run blocking up front. Yeah, but I also thought Saquon was not embracing contact like on, no. on that on that end of that play at the end of the half i still don't think he scores anyways but a healthy saquon does whatever he can is to run through those motherfuckers this saquon basically like stopped because he had those two dudes right where like healthy saquon we saw in the playoff game last year runs through dalvin thompson's chest yeah um this and you, you just you saw that happen multiple times. Now you also saw him create the big plays on that drive, and that's where he's different than other dudes. Um, but he definitely wasn't fully healthy, yeah. and he he kind of he basically said it without saying it after in the game. He's like, yeah, there was parts where I didn't feel the exact same without. He basically said he wasn't fully healthy without saying it. Do you think Saquon Barkley is a little bit of a product of his environment? And here's what I mean by that. I think there's a little bit more of a purpose. And and I, th- I do think Saquon Barkley plays like this a little bit. There's a little bit more of a purpose and there's a little bit more of a meaning to put your, putting your shoulder down and running over Dalvin Thompson in the wild card round of a playoff game. Tonight, where the offense has not scored, has not scored a touchdown in multiple games, and you're also bothered by an ankle injury, there may there's not that onus and there's not that there's not that you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, reason, let's just say. Big reason to, I'm really going to put my shoulder down and try and go get an additional yard and a half against these against these two guys. Um, I, I will say, I, I do think I mean, one of those good. plays was the last play of the first half. There's a lot of urgency to Yeah, to- okay, okay. Um, I, I do think he looked good. Um, there, I didn't think there was just anything to work with outside the one drive where they ran trap well. 39% of his runs were over expectation, according to the next gen. He had the fifth highest rushing yards over expected per attempt at 1.17. So, again, even though his overall efficiency wasn't great tonight, um, you know, that's why I like these next gen stats, rushing yards over expected. They, they try and separate running back effectiveness from offensive line effectiveness or ineffectiveness in, in this case for the Giants. So, I, I thought he looked good. You know, did he look perfect? No. Um, the run blocking I, I th- was horrible. Run blocking was horrible, and I, I I thought he looked good enough for for what he was given with tonight. Yeah, the the, the run blocking was horrible. Um, basically, okay. So I get I there was some instances instances when I thought Saquon like did not look fully healthy, and again he said he basically said it after the game. But also, there's been other times where he hasn't been healthy and he looked a lot worse. Um, so. Now the worry is hopefully it didn't, hopefully it like get it gets fully healthy for next week because if you remember 2019 that first game back versus Arizona he looked pretty good and then kind of got worse through the next three weeks and then yeah. got healthier um, so that's the because he got I mean how many carries did he have he got I mean touched the ball touched the ball 28 times in this game that's a lot that's, that's a lot that's a and lot he, and he was supposedly I guess it was going to be up to him but. At least they made it seem like that maybe he would be on a pitch count. So, clearly not. No. Clearly, yeah, clearly, clearly not. not. I have some... Can I ask you, before we move like elsewhere offensively, like offensive line, there's some skill position players that we need to talk about. 
I want to I want to bring two more things up with coaching. Um, where do I want to start? I think I want to start with the third and eight and the fourth and eight. Um, there were two plays, and also this was happening pretty much all night. And I want to get your your take of it and your sense on it. I basically feel for the majority of the night, the Giants were running out of the same formation on third down. They were motioning Saquon Barkley out, and they were putting him in as a receiver. And something that was frustrating to me, and this was on particularly on that third and that fourth down and eight in the fourth quarter, Saquon Barkley motions out as a receiver. You're leaving Darren Waller in to chip, and then he's running a check down. I think I, I don't think I hate this. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. And this is just a byproduct of a bad offensive line that needs additional help. But I don't want Darren Waller being the guy and being the sacrificial lamb of having to give Justin Pure or Evan Neal help in chipping. Like that, keep Saquon Barkley in. Why are you motioning Saquon Barkley out as a receiver when he's not a great receiver? I would rather have Darren Waller out there trying to get a first down for the Giants on third and eight and fourth and eight on a very important down and distance for the team. How, how do you, how do you feel about that? I thought that was pretty repetitive tonight with that formation package. They had their best game of the season on third down. Like they were good on third down and they obviously saw yeah. something on film that led to that, like, and it led to the, the slot fades that Slayton was able to get in the third and eight. I mean the, the third and eight, you had Wandale wide ass open, right? And he had, had some room to run too. Um, and if you're trying to get to that five wide thing, well, Waller's the only one who's going to be able to be in line and you're not going to, unless you want to keep Bellinger in, but then you're taking Hyatt or Wandale or Slayton, uh, off the field. And I don't think they wanted to do that. So someone had to chip and help on that and they, it's, it just has to be Waller or you can't get into that five wide formation that gave them the matchups that they wanted. I hate, I, I just hate, I hate it. I hate, I hate it. Because that, that's why you trade you trade for this guy so he can make the game-saving, game-changing play on third down, fourth down to move the chains for you. You know, and, and it's another game where, you know, well, and, and this is, you know, one of my main things is Giants wide receivers had 18 targets. Stefan Diggs had a total of 16. It's like, okay, well, not overly alarmed by that stat because you want Darren Waller getting a bunch of these targets, right? Darren Waller's supposed to be the alpha number, you know, number one target on this Giants team, and it's just not happening. And I don't really think it's due fully to his fault. Um, it's just the nature of what's happening with this Giants offense right now, and it sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's they they have offensive line issues, right? And he had five yeah. catches for forty three yards in this game. You know, he had eight over 80 yards in two of the other games. He's their leading receiver. Like, I get it. Like, their passing offense stinks. But, like, if – I mean, he is, like, putting up decent numbers, right? He's, like – I think he's on pace for, like, a 900-yard season. Which is um, crazy because you just don't feel like he – you don't feel like he has that same impact on the game. Like, even just think of Camp, Bobby. Like, he was just catching everything. He was being targeted every play. Every drive that they had in camp, that it's not the same Darren Waller of like taking over an offense. Which obviously, if he was taking over an offense, the offense just would be better. Yeah, I mean, they have pass protection issues in camp yeah. that doesn't show up unless it's unless it's absolutely brutal. And in camp, it wasn't. They actually had 
their yeah. guys healthy and chance pass rush obviously wasn't wasn't great at that time yeah. let me give you another another coaching gripe that i had third and inches in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes to go you're running out of the shotgun and apparently i was told that it was a read option and it's a it's it's a read option or an RPO where Tyrod Taylor keeps it and then he winds up tossing it tossing it out of bounds on an incompletion. It's a fourth and inches. You kick the field goal. I believe the Giants went up nine to seven. The Bills had a twelve play seventy five yard touchdown drive after that. In a way, it's like the I yeah I would have gone for it on fourth down, but I'm not going to argue that. I'm mad. Third and inches. You're out of the shotgun and RPO. You're throwing it. Your 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 thoughts. Thirty six inches. You got it earlier in the game with Eric Ray lined up as a fullback. I know you're not running the ball that well, but again, it's thirty six inches. But where, they've where just, they thoughts? got stuffed in every short yardage running situation they had, right? And if they handed the ball off in the game to Saquon, they would have got stuffed again. And that play call wasn't just like an RPO. Like that was something we've praised before, where they are they do the read option part of it, and they also have. Um, I can't remember who was in who it rolled, but they run a smash concept where you have someone in the flat, and the way to beat that is to play the the read option very well and then play good man coverage. And the Bills did. The Bills did that, and Tyrod Taylor wasn't able to beat Rousseau to the corner. Like, if Jones is in, that may be a first down. Like, I, I think that's a good play call, especially on third and inches. Like, it's they're kind of trying to stop that and... You know, so they're going to put them in some zone, and they they did a good job against it. Like I I don't hate that play call, and I don't like the way that they were not able to get under center, and just okay, let's run it. Because anytime they did that, they got pushed back. They got their interior, they got their ass kicked on the interior, um, and it ended up being negative. So I think if like yeah, could they have got under center and ran it? But mo- the mo- more times than not, when they did that, it they lost yards doing it. Um, so I'm not going to be mad at them for doing that. Like I thought that was a that was a play that they and they've done that before and they've done it very successfully. So again, I I get it. Like I wish that we I wish that they were good enough to just get under center and run it. But they showed they've proven that they aren't. They've proven that the interior cannot block up like that, and that it's a disadvantage for them. And especially the Bills like really did well against it. Yeah. All right. I feel like that's a natural transition to. Maybe offensive line. You think about where you want to go. But I want to talk about Copilot, Bobby. They're a new sponsor. New sponsor alert. New sponsor alert. Copilot. What Copilot is, they are a real accountability, flexible, and expert training. They provide training resources. So I had a meeting. I had a meeting a couple weeks ago with a guy named Mike. He's a personal trainer. I was like, Mike, listen, here's my situation. Here's... Here's my diet. Here's my habits. Here's how much uh, I work. Here's how much I'm home. Here's how much I'm not home. Here's my all my bad habits. I kind of put my heart on the line, put my heart on the sleeve. They're like, all right, let's let's do something with this, Mike. Um, and Mike basically laid out a plan for me. It's like, all right, well, what do you have exercise wise? I have some dumbbells at home, the Bowflex. I change it up. Uh, here's what I'm eating. Uh, I'm eating these these pre-made meals. Here's what you do. So Mike gave me a nice and structured plan on how I can attack my fitness and how I can attack my health from now on. And my co-pilot app, they have an app on the phone, offers a connection to a real-life trainer, personalized workout plans, regular process check-ins, support, and guidance. They provide workout programs that are designed around your specific lifestyle, ability to work out at your convenience with or without 
a gym. Cost-effective compared to traditional in-person training, they offer benefits and support of personal training without a hefty price. I can do everything from home. I don't need to, after I get home from the office in New York City and I'm talking about this shitty football team, I don't have to go to a gym and see a personal trainer. I could talk to Mike on the phone. I could do my workouts. I can do whatever I need to do right from my home. And I would love for you to follow my lead to get fit and feel fabulous. Give Copilot a try and find out why it was listed by Forbes as the top-rated personal trainer app of 2023. Head to go.mycopilot.com slash giants to get a 14-day free trial with your own personal trainer. That's go.mycopilot.com that's go.mycopilot.com slash giants to get a free 14-day trial with your very own personal trainer take a back seat and let copilot help you reach your fitness goals bobby skinner you'll be glad you did you'll be glad you did what'd you think about justin Pugh? straight off the couch um had his t-shirts ready to be sold big money Pew. uh had a Gave up two, there were three sacks one was when tyro taylor just dropped the ball i guess that was another negative tyro taylor play um and he gave two sacks, one where he got beat around the corner and Tyro Taylor, like more of a covered sack, but still gave it up. And the other one where he just didn't get off the ball that was on a third down. Um, it's kind of crazy that Justin G was playing left tackle for the Giants. Yeah. I thought he had a rough start. I think he settled in at least a little bit. Yeah, and again, they're not they're not putting them in like tough positions. Their offensive tackles, like Evan Neal, I thought did pretty well versus Von Miller. Gave up a couple pressures, but like like Von Miller was Von Miller was very much trying to cor- get the corner, and Neal did a pretty good job of stopping that for the most part. Um, but again, they also they aren't they are not uh they're not putting their tackles in tough situations, right? Where we saw like they it's basically everything was below 10 yards in the the throws wise and they were giving help with the backs and the tight ends and all that good stuff yeah and Tyrod's average time to throw was 2.6 seconds um and I even feel like there was some play action rollouts too where you're hey you're getting the quarterback away from the line and stuff like that but I, I thought Pew I think he had a rough start and it's like oh shit is this is this going to continue but then I then I think he settled in and there were some nasty looking plays just like oh that doesn't look good but they were winning and doing their job enough for Tyrod to have somewhat of a clean pocket to throw the ball so again you know similar to the Seattle game even though Jones took a lot more sacks than that Seattle game I'm not walking away from this game saying the Giants offensive line from a pass blocking perspective just neutered this game yeah I think he'll probably be starting at guard once Yes. If Thomas comes back. Um, Do you think but, he's an IR candidate? Aziz was put on IR. I mean, they had the perfect time. They put him on IR. And they didn't. And they haven't. So I think they're going to try and get him back eventually. Um, And then again, Neil, Neil, I thought, looked decent. Let's talk about the defense. It's a shame that this, that this, um, this performance goes wasted. Bobby O'Karake was playing possessed. Like, he had, he essentially forced two turnovers. Mike McFadden can thank him for the forced fumble and the tipping up the interception. He had another pass breakup, too. Two tackles for a loss. And, so like, he was playing fast in the run game. Quick, quick, go, go, getting downhill, levering dudes. And we that's something that we hadn't seen from him consistently. We've seen, like, hey, when he does play fast, it's amazing. 
And I get he's kind of in a situation where he's got to play both the pass and the run, and they give McFadden a little more free reign to go. But Okereke, like build off of this, because this is the type of Okereke that is the best Bobby Okereke, and it will make a huge difference for them. Although they did get chunk runs. They did get a good amount of chunk runs. I thought overall they did a halfway decent job stopping the run. Yeah. Really, like, obviously happy with the defense. Scoreless through three, first two, forced two turnovers in the first half. It was five turnovers forced in their last six quarters. They had, like, 19 all of last year. Um, I think they could take the next step as a defense, limiting big plays both allowed on the ground and through the air. They're among the top of the league in big plays allowed, but they've also played some really explosive teams this year. And in some games, they've had some really solid moments. Um I think they put together a really, obviously, a solid game. Allen looked uncomfortable. He was inaccurate at times. He was missing throws. However, I am happy the Bills took so long to get to the run and specifically get James Cook running. But once they did, that's when I feel like they were able to churn out those long drives in the second half and find the end zone. I I do think it took them a hot sec to really dedicate themselves to the run game. And then once they did... It worked out well for them, but I mean, credit to the Giants' defense. This is this is a Bills offense that trusts Josh tr- that trusts Josh Allen to win them every game, and the Giants shut down Josh Allen in the first half and forced two turnovers. Well, and it's the Bills were ready for the blitzes of Wink Martindale. That's what they were getting ready for. So they kept in bl- extra blockers, but the Giants didn't blitz a ton. Now they would use Okereke not as like a spy, but kind of playing that middle field and playing Josh Allen. I guess as a spy uh, yeah. on some third downs. That's what he did on that, which I also, which the the broadcast even said was a weak call. That's what Okereke was doing on the. No, oh, that was um, a bullshit call. The, what, what am I trying to say? The uh, the legal hit, the roughing the passer. Yeah, that was bullshit. I mean, the Bills were playing first and whatever. I think it was like the Bills had a false start. It was a first and twenty, and then the Bills it was had a, a first false and start. Yeah. So it was a first and twenty-five. That's an incomplete pass. Second and twenty-five. And then it, you know, gives him 15 yards on an automatic first down on Okereke didn't even hit him in the head, hit him in the shoulder, and it wasn't a late hit. It was fine. So Okereke was doing him. that spy assignment um on that play that you're talking about. He didn't even hit him. He just like like touched him. And they now they call it a Dory for holding on that anyways. Oh, that's true. But but still, that's still a fucking bullshit call. It pissed me off so much. Like this is this is anyways, there's other things about that play that bother me. Um so, but the Giants were able to double all their guys. Like, there's a lot of times where they had six guys, you know, they would run these three-man routes, and the Giants weren't blitzing, so they'd have six guys covering them. Or if they did blitz them, it was only five. And also, like, Dex was getting pressure, right? Dex was continuing to get pressure, and Dex has probably played as good as the six games as you can have without actually having a sack, which is very yeah. frustrating. But he was consistently forcing Allen out of the pocket. Now, I'd love for Kayvon to finish a play because it felt like, there was five times where Allen was just able to evade, evade Kayvon. But that, again, that is what makes Allen so great is his ability to evade sacks and pressure and, and make plays down the field. And they were able to bracket Stefan Diggs. You know, like Diggs, although he had 10 catches for 100 yards, one was on like a, a long Josh Allen evading play. You know, and then they like lined him up like they threw him a pass out of the backfield. And then the other one where they literally lined him up at running back and got him out there like a lot of his and more his better plays came from that but yeah I, I thought passing wise they had a very good game plan where they were able to double team guys and get pressure while not having to send the house and they were pre- and they were also prepping 
for those blitzes and it was a good it was a good mix and Allen just kind of got out off his game a little bit and he missed some throws also I love the game plan of let's just trip everybody and act like it was an accident <laughs> yeah, that was like great. three times in the first two drives that was that was great that was that was the game plan Dane Belton did it and then I think Cordell Flott did it um before I talk about Cordell Flott how about Deontay Banks dude I'm, De- I'm excited to watch his film like I, I, again, it's hard to get cornerback, fin- like you know, like evaluation from broadcasts. But like I, I, I was saying going into this game, I was like, I want to watch some Deontay Banks and like really focus in on him. Like he's our first round rookie, and you know, m- you remember the first week of training camp, like this guy was really bad, like and it was worried. worrisome. Like we already had some worries that he'd struggle as a rookie, and we're like, oh, oh boy, like this could be really bad. And then he improved throughout camp. And again, he's had, like I thought the first four weeks of the season he's had some bad moments, but it wasn't like he was getting picked on. He just had some bad moments. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go back and, and just really watch film of Deontay Banks because it seems like he's progressing very, very well. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think the biggest thing with Banks, especially in this man coverage heavy scheme, where you're putting so much responsibility on these corners. Like you said, there's been some moments. The Ronnie Bell touchdown against San Fran was not great. Uh, I would love for him to eventually like make a play on a football, have like a pass deflection. Obviously, an interception is totally ideal. Um, but the fact that we're just like we've had corners in the past, Bobby, and corners that we've had question marks in the past, where they're just getting picked on, picked on, picked on, picked on, and it's just like deja vu, deja vu, deja vu. That's not the case with Banks, and sometimes when your name is not set on the broadcast, it's like offensive line, and I feel like like safety and corner. If your name is not set on a broadcast all that often, uh, then it's it's largely a good thing. That means that you're doing your job, and it seems like Deontay Banks is is doing his job, man. And, that, and I'm really encouraged that we haven't been saying his name way too often because I have a feeling, you know, obviously it's if you get interceptions, then we're then we're saying your name. But odds are for a rookie like Deontay Banks, if we're saying his name a lot during a game, it's because he's getting picked on and he's allowing catches. And we really haven't. Like, he's had a very quiet rookie season, but I think that's, like, the best-case scenario for Deontay Banks in this year. So I'm I'm happy with it. Somebody asked about him in the mailbag because I want to give, like, a detailed analysis of his game this week. Hell yeah. Like, you know, Gabe Davis only – now, they, they played sides this game. They didn't follow – but Gabe Davis only had three catches for 21 yards. One of them ended up being a fumble, too. Um, other notes on the defense. Um, Any thoughts on Cordell Flott? Flott has Obviously his good plays, but he also has a lot of mental mistakes, right? Like, there was a third down where he should have been playing the flat zone, and he's just like, Kayvon is playing the curl hook area, and, and Flott's just sitting there. And there's like an easy, it's an easy conversion for them. And you also now I don't get it on him on this is really good play calling from Ken Dorsey on the first touchdown that they scored, where they're down in the goal line and they motion the receiver be uh, their slot receiver um, Deontay Hardy, they get him behind the quarterback and snap the ball and he stops and goes the other way kind of like what the Chiefs did in the Super Bowl with Tony and Sky Moore. That's a, that's hard because when you get the guy in motion, you're kind of you're kind of humping to get over to the other side and make sure they don't get an easy touchdown on the flat. So I don't get on him too much, but he did get he did get fooled on that. And there was again, there's other plays I've watched the film where it's like Flot has these mental mistakes in his zone, but when he's in man, like he does a fairly good job in that trail technique. Yeah, um, it's not perfect. It's not like smothering guys, but he just gets into that trail technique and knows how to get back, uh, win win the leverage back. 
Um, so, uh, you know, someone who, again, another guy who had a really bad camp and wasn't just like from our eyes, like he got benched, right? Was behind Darnay Holmes on the depth chart, was a healthy scratch uh, in games this year. Now he's getting out there, getting a chance to start and, and play meaningful reps and be a part of the defense. Yeah. Um, Micah McFadden, too. You know, the, the 2022 draft class, like, hey, if Kayvon continues to let's let's have some more good plays, let's get some more sacks, let's be a little bit more consistent, be a little bit more dominant. Daniel Bellinger, we know how we feel about that. Cordell Flott. Like, I feel like a lot of it is kind of depending on, you know, how if, if we can walk away from this 2022 draft class this year and feel a little bit better about our secondary Cordell Flock kind of like leading it, Deontay Banks being good, Cordell Flock being part of the answer. I feel like that makes me feel a little bit better about the 2022 draft class, and it also makes me feel better about the future of our secondary too. So um, awesome stuff. Uh, I have I have two other notes that I want to bring up. They're both safeties. Um, do you have any do you have any other notes? No, not particularly, besides some of the big runs, Jordan Riley was getting beat on double teams. Ah. Oh, Jordan Riley was back. Uh, I thought Xavier McKinney had a good game. I thought he tackled pretty well. Yeah, they had him down in the box, and I thought he played off of Okereke very well, where Okereke kind of like funneled the back into lanes, and and McKinney came in and and, and made those plays. Yep. Was there any plays like in the secondary you have th- that he made that you can think of? No. But overall, playing the run, I thought he did well. Um. And then Dane Belton allowing a touchdown to Quentin Morris made me ill. That's just like the magic of Josh Josh Allen, like where he just extends, 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 and then just fires in a ball in between Dane Belton and Jason Pinnock, and it's just perfectly placed. Like guy didn't have a target this year. That's that's when like when you talk about like what elite QBs do. Yeah, that's the shit they do, despite all the. Uh, the issues that Allen had in this game, it's like, oh yeah, it's like only a few guys are doing that. Um, like one having the confidence to do that, but but Allen is so so good at evading pressure, right? Like I remember when we were doing our Bobby Johnson episode, shout out. A big thing was like, hey, Josh Allen's one of the least sack quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's one of the most pressured. Like, but he's good. At, he's just so good at avoiding that. And, it's a it's a it's a damn shame that this defense has held Josh Allen the fourteen points and has to walk away with a loss. Yeah. Um. Really, really not on them. But I'm excited to see them play Washington this next week. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, Bobby, um, you will be coming up for that game. I will be there. Uh, you're undefeated at Giants games, right? Never lost. Never lost. I have a fun announcement when it comes to our tailgates L16. If you click the link in our description. Um, you can get tickets. You can also come and hang out. We will we will never not encourage people to come and hang out. But if you want access to food, if you want access to some of the entertainment stuff that we got going, and we got games, we're probably going to be bringing back that Madden setup again. Also, new announcement: we're providing alcohol. Beer. Bam! Beer. We will be providing alcohol at our tailgates. Um, if you want some specific requests. Maybe let me know. Shoot me a DM. I can't make any promises, but we're gonna we're gonna provide alcohol, and that will be included. And we're not increasing the price. It is still going to be fifty dollars. So if you bought tickets in the past and you want to come back, keep coming back. Hey, talking giants, you guys need to provide alcohol. I'm not paying fifty dollars for just food and whatever. Well, now now we're providing alcohol. Now you had, now, so now, you have now no we excuse. have the cheapest tailgate, and it includes everything. 
Love it. So, we already had the cheapest tailgate. Now, now it includes everything. So Click the link in our description um, and come see the Giants sack Sam Howell a lot because he takes a lot of sacks. Josh Allen's very good at avoiding sacks. Micah McFadden had the only QB hit today. So come meet Bobby and I at our tailgate. Click the link in our description. Come see the Giants sack Sam Howell since he takes a lot of sacks, and we're going to have fun. Guaranteed yeah. win. And you guys Guaranteed can thank win. me for the beers because I, I kind of said, I was like, I feel bad asking people for, to buy but not providing beer like it comes with a tailgate. So I, I, said, I, I put my foot down, and you guys can thank me for that. Um, and we still – and we have the cheapest tailgate around, the cheapest tailgate around. So uh, now, now, I don't, now I don't feel bad shilling it at all. Buy the damn tickets. Show up. It's the cheapest tailgate, and it's going to be the best tailgate. Well, you'll be glad you did. Um, other things from this game. There a was a fight. fight. Yes, <laughs> that was a that was a real deal fight. Like that was so. What happened was Kayvon is like finishing the play, being a little dirty, but finishing the play, and he's kind of just I forget uh, Dion Dawkins, just kind of getting under him. And then Deion Dawkins kind of loses his mind on that. Where like I don't know exactly what he was trying to do, but he looked like he was trying to stomp on Kayvon. But he wasn't actually. Kind of was like looking like he was like threatening to stomp on Kayvon. So Dex comes and lays him out. And then Spencer Brown comes in, and then Leonard Williams goes and tackles him. I mean, and then Bobby O'Care, Josh Allen goes in the defender's offensive lineman, and O'Karake runs in and grabs Allen and and um. It's like, don't do it, bro. Don't do it, bro. But that was like a real deal fight. And they're like, penalty. I wish Kayvon has at that point where he, where we're just like, he's a certified dog, right? Because it was a little badass on their penalty. 97, 99, and number five. Like, be like, yeah, that's my trio right there. That's my trio of bants. But, and Leonard Williams has not been great in the run. Leonard Williams has been a good pass rusher this year in the run game. He's been inconsistent. Um, so, but that that was a good fight, though. It was a great fight. I'm, Leonard Williams just launched somebody. It was actually cool to see Josh Allen kind of get involved, like QB just not afraid. He he threw a shoulder not effectively. Um, there was one point the camera, the replay camera, cut away, where when Kayvon was kicking and screaming on the ground, he like launched an offensive lineman, like totally just got that foot perfectly in his stomach launched him back and the replay cuts away at the at the last second um oh my, oh my god somebody punch tried to punch Micah McFadden right in the nuts just missed and then my favorite is just Dex getting up and just picking up and tackling uh tackling somebody who was this he picked up it was I think it was Dawkins yeah Deion Dawkins yeah Deion Dawkins just wrapped him up brought him to the ground that was fun it was a, it was a good fight did you see my tweet that's going a little viral is it not weird that they have DeMar Hamlin all over the ambulance? What was the reaction that you got to that? So, ma- majority of 99% were like, um, yeah, this is weird. And then 1% was like, how dare you? Like someone, you know, did the, you, you employ this guy, John Boy? Um, it was over- uncomfortable that they were even like Damien Harris is on the field, like really they not keep on moving panning for a to Demar Hamlin, and it's the so camera weird. was panning to him. I wasn't even comfortable with that. And then the fact that they're taking Damien Harris away, and Demar Hamlin's number is on the ambulance. Were- yeah, it's kind of some of the replies funky. were funny. Like Mark Masur, our guy, he's like, "It's the Demar ambulance." 
Um, oh, come on. Another one was like they retired the ambulance retired his jersey. No, come um, on. There was definitely some funny ones. But I I do wonder like if you got like now I Demoham is not going to ex- complain about it because like he's like he's kind of got to cash in on this a little bit. But it's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I, I get it. Like, it was an inspiring moment. We can move on a little bit. <clears throat> In the moment, it was I, I little nerve-wracking at first. Because another, it was like another hit that didn't look, like, he didn't get hit in the head. So it was like, oh, crap. And then they keep panning the camera to him and it's it was very uncomfortable because it was the bills and it was in buffalo and everything like that and well, i even think the- like you good like like i'm like you don't even think that you forget that something happened to damien harris because they're sitting here everything's about freaking demar hanlon yeah yeah very weird very weird very weird um but there was a fight fight and then the i think DeMar- we won the demar ambulance they're actually showing the replay on nfl network right now on my tv the fight yeah I think did we won right? Would you say that there was a winner? Oh, absolutely. So Dex bodies Spencer Brown. Oh, Leonard that's Spencer Williams. Brown. Then Leo comes, and then bodies Spencer. Spencer Brown just got turned into a little bitch. That's what we do. Kayvon, ooh, Kayvon did give a nice little kick to Deion Dawkins. He did. I don't know what Pinnock is like trying to like box out Deion Dawkins. Like it was, it was a very good fight. No, let him fight. Um, let him fight. I kind of like that. Rally the defense. Oh, I mean, you know me. I love fighting. They almost had like an insane goal line stand that play too. Like I love, I love that the next two plays, or especially even that next play, they didn't allow a touchdown. It was like a negative play, and the defense is like, "Fuck you!" I love. Oh that. yeah, they got them the third and goal, and then, then you had the Cordell Flott uh, motion play. Uh all right, that's an episode. That's an episode. Want to give a two shout outs? Do a barrel roll, our guy. He got married this weekend. I think he Oh, did. my gosh. Yes. Congratulations to a barrel. We live very close to each other. We I need to treat him to dinner. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he wants to spend dinner with you and not his lovely new wife. I new disagree. Also, Pest the Analyst. He was in the hospital. He didn't say for what, but like Pest, he was making videos out of it. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to miss you at the tailgate this week, Pest. Or maybe you'll get... Maybe... You know it'd be funny, Pest, if you did, if you showed up in like with an IV bag and a, yeah, and the, a the, hospital gown and the gown, yeah, yeah. So maybe 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 you should do that, Pest. You know what? If you do that, Pest, we'll give you a free ticket to the tailgate. <laughs> so, hope, but but hope hope, anyway, hope you're feeling hope you're feeling better, Pest, if you're listening at this point in the podcast, which you're probably not, and I don't blame you. Um, but if you are, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back Wednesday for a mailbag. Um, it really fucking sucks that we're not celebrating this upset victory. It really does. It really does. I'm, I, I'm in pain. Like, I really am. But as always, this podcast is therapy, and it, it kind of lifts your mood by the end of it. So we'll be back Wednesday with the mailbag, O-line report. I'm going to do Justin Pugh on an O-line report. How about that? How about that? How about that? Um, in a film review. Maybe I'll spend some extra time on the defense. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you Wednesday. Until then, let's go. Big Blue.